0: As we study your word today, we thank you that your word is living and active and sharper than any two edged sword. So, Lord, help us today. Help us today in Jesus' name. Everyone said amen. amen. Title of today's message is such a warm and fuzzy, comforting message. The sentencing and execution of Babylon, Doesn't that just warm your heart? Turn in your Bibles to Revelation 18. You got your Bibles? Hold your Bibles up. You got them? Bring your Bibles. Bring your Bibles. Read your Bibles. Before we look at the text, <coughs> just want to say at your home church, we could use a little help. Everyone say help. We could use a little help. And I would just urge you, a uh, coming and sitting is good, but there's something better than coming and sitting, and that's coming and serving and giving back. I have never, hardly ever been asked to do anything over all these years. I'm always volunteering. Can I start this? Can I help there? Can I do that? Because that's just my heart. And I know it's your heart too, but we could use some help. I want to show you a picture of our greatest investment. Are you Ready? It's our children. And uh, Miss Lauren Heffelbauer, our children's pastor, she tells me, I don't get to see them. I'm in here. But about 120 children, everyone say thank you, Lord, are in the nursery, preschool, elementary classes today while we're in here. And we're grateful for them. And that is a great place of greatest investment. Uh, we actually could use about 10 adults helping us holding babies, working in preschool classes. We could use about 10 people to help teach or help be an assistant teacher in elementary classes. It's not a big deal. One service once a month. You can attend a service, or go to another service. It's giving back. Secret of living is giving, so there'll be a table with some people in the lobby if you'd like to ask questions. Another opportunity is our First Impressions ministry. It's very important when people come to our place, we want to be loving and kind and helpful to them. You can serve at one service. How many have ever smiled before? Have you ever smiled before? Turn to your neighbor and just smile. Go ahead. It won't break your face. Your chin won't fall off. Just go ahead and show them a bunch of teeth. But it's just smiling, being friendly, being helpful. And we want people to feel welcomed. Now, you can go to Robin at Guest Services. You can do any of this stuff online. Then there's lots of opportunities. I think there's about 50 in your uh, bulletin today. But we start something in a week called Evangelism Explosion. It is 13 weeks. I paid him to do that. But I had this training 40 years ago. Let me tell you what it did for me. It made me a soul winner. And I've led people to Christ ever since then just because someone helped me because I didn't know what I was doing. I didn't know how to do it. This is a great opportunity. You can sign up online online. Or there's some uh, brethren in the lobby that will be glad to talk to you. Be glad you, be glad you did. I will pay you double for that. <laughs> now, as we study and learn today and each week, my opinions and my thoughts don't matter a whole lot. It's just, just the way it is. But the Scripture is true. Yeah. And we want to stay with what the Scripture says. And we want to emphasize what the Scripture and what we don't understand. We just don't understand it. We will one day but we just that, that's our focus now after today a lot of cool things happen because this is a rough passage after day today some cool things happen what there's a big party in heaven that's wonderful big party in heaven then we see the marriage supper of the lambs anybody got your ticket i have already got my ticket Had that ticket for 50 years, Married Supper of the Lamb. And then guess what? Guess who's coming back riding on a white horse? The Lord Jesus. Someone say amen to that. And then there will be the final battle, the Battle of Armageddon. And uh, then we're going toward a new created heaven and earth. So we got good stuff on our way. Now, I just want to make really complex stuff as simple as I can. The chapter last week, we talked about how the Antichrist religious empire will collapse <coughs> by those ten kings that work with the Antichrist, uh, essentially dismantle her and all of her followers. Now today, this is different. So we go from dismantling the, econ- uh, the religious part to the economic part. A little bit more review. we want to keep things in perspective. What's the purpose of the book of Revelation? I have in my head three purposes. One, throughout the entire book to create a lot of pressure. Everyone say pressure. On people to repent of their sin. Is pressure good or bad? How many need pressure? Do you need pressure? I need pressure. I came to Christ because of pressure. So there's lots and lots of pressure in this book. Because if they die without a Savior, that's the worst day of their life. So we see pressure. Some of you pray for the Lord to bless your children. That's good. But maybe you should pray that the Lord will put pressure on your children. That their hearts would be open and they would change their ways and let God be first. The second reason for the book of Revelation, we see the judgment of the devil, all of his followers, and all evil forever. Is that a good thing? Yes or no? That's a great thing. I'm excited about all evil being done away with. And the third thing and most important thing is that the Lord Jesus Christ, and I have a fly wanting to visit me. Go. The Lord Jesus Christ, his name his personhood, to be glorified. And that's what we want at this church. That's what we want in our families. That's what we want everything in our life to do. We want to glorify the Lord Jesus Christ. It's not about us. It is all about him. Now, let's read a little bit. And there's a lot of verses, and I'm going to have to skip around. So you got your Bibles open. I'm reading out of English Standard Today, chapter 18, verse 1. After this, I saw another angel coming down from heaven, having great authority, and the earth was made bright with its glory. And he called out with a mighty voice, Fallen, fallen is Babylon the great. Would you say that with me, please? Fallen, fallen is Babylon the great. That's the sentencing. She has become a dwelling place for demons, a haunt for every unclean spirit a prison for every unclean bird, a haunt for every unclean and detestable beast. For all the nations have drunk the wine of her passion, of her sexual immorality, and the kings of the earth have committed immorality with her. The merchants of the earth have grown rich from the power of her luxurious living. I want to go back in history a little bit. Because history repeats itself. October 12th, 539 B.C., about 540 years before Christ was born, the original Babylonian empire that ruled much of the world. There was a big party by the current king, King Belshazzar. Everyone say Belshazzar. He was a grandson of Nebuchadnezzar. Daniel 5 is telling us what's going on. In this massive capital city, Belshazzar has a religious festival full of all kind of crazy, weird, wicked things. And the festival goes on for maybe several months. It's a festival to a dark God. In the midst of the festival... He goes and has his servants go to the Babylonian archive and bring out implements that were sacred and holy to God that were used in the temple the Babylonians destroyed. So they start passing these holy things around. They start doing dumb and stupid stuff with them, and all of a sudden the party comes to a rude awakening and a halt because a giant hand comes out of the heavenlies and my guess is 50 feet up the wall starts writing in Hebrew things that nobody in the room understands and this is literally what was written now since there was not a Jew in the room Daniel was in his 90s he had been prime minister under three kings they say, well, Daniel can figure this out. So they bring this old man in, Daniel, and Daniel reads it and he says this. It's many, many tekel you farsen. Say it with me, please. Many, many tekel you farsen. It means this in Hebrew You have been weighed in the balance, and you have come up short. Therefore, you will be judged, the word eupharsan means by the Persians. And his knees start knocking. Everyone starts running. They try to give Daniel money, he is not interested. Now, let me tell you why they thought they were so secure. Because they lived in the capital city of this empire, Babylon. And they thought Babylon could not be taken by force. It was impregnable. And uh, it was one of the ancient wonders of the world. The walls were so high and the walls were so thick, it was thought that no army could breach the walls. How thick were the walls? 60 feet wide. It was said that two chariots could have races on top of the walls. Let me show you another thing. This is recreation. The causeway or the main entrance to the main gate, and that's where cities are always at their weakest, the main gate. It was so long, so dangerous for any Uh, invading army, that it was just absolutely impossible. So they thought it couldn't be scaled or taken. Outside the wall, the Babylonians knew, there were two armies. The armies of the Medes, who who were the ancestors of today's Kurds, and the Persians. The Medes were the more powerful at the time. And this guy is a guy called Cyrus the Great. Everyone say Cyrus the Great. He had a song called Achy Breaky Heart just a few years ago. Cyrus the Great is actually mentioned in Scripture in Isaiah before he was even born. So he has a great idea. He has his engineers, and they have actually been ravaging the countryside and dominating all the land around Babylon for a year and a half. So nobody went out. Nobody went out. There was plenty of water, plenty of food. You can't take us. Actually, the Babylonians taunted them. So he said, here's what we'll do. We have our engineers 20 miles away. <coughs> the Babylonians will never know it. And we'll, deal, we'll we will build... A another potential waterway that has gates. But since the Euphrates river runs right through the middle of the river, right under the walls, and so at the proper time at night, he gave the order, and the engineers shut the gates to the Euphrates and opened the gates to the dry canal. And every hour, the water level would drop a foot or so until just right before dawn, Persian troops, because everybody was drunk and asleep in Babylon, they walked right down the riverbed in water about this deep and went right up a drainage system that was now dry. And they took the city in one night. Now why are you saying this? Because since it collapsed in one day. Three different times in chapter 18. The Antichrist economic empire will also collapse in one day. Because history repeats itself. Now. John's angelic escort, who is telling him to write this down for us, may be the most spectacular angel ever seen in Scripture. He is so brilliant, so splendid, that the darkness is just illuminated when he shows up in contrast to the dark earth. Now, the repetition that we see several times in these chapters Fallen, fallen. So when you see repetition, fallen, fallen. And when you see it repeated, it means this is very, very important. Now, the scripture says that this location is very attractive to dark spirits, which are demonic spirits, which are unclean spirits, it has become, in the words of the angel, a dwelling place for demons. It is a nest of unclean spirits. Now, in our city, in our state, in our nation and the nations of the world, their place places very, very, very dark. Have you ever been in one? I've been in places, in some places around the world, I felt like, man, this is evil. I feel like I need a bath. I need to make sure nothing has attached itself to me because this place is full of invisible things that are not good. Now, these dark spirits are attracted to violence, murder, wicked sexual acts, angry words, drug addiction, alcoholism, they are attracted to sin because the presence of God is not there. They are repelled by worship. They are repelled by prayer. They are repelled by people living for Jesus. Now, in New American Standard, it has the word prison. Everyone say "prison." And it says a weird thing a prison for every unclean and hateful bird. Could it be this unclean and hateful bird? <laughs> I'm sorry. I apologize to every U of L fan. Uh, my wife made me do it, and you just talked to her about it. I told her, no, let's not do that. Yeah, you got it. Put it up there what do you mean birds? What's birds have to do with anything? It's another picture of the demonic. Well, how is it a picture of the demonic? Because just like in the parable of the sower, the sower went out to sow, and the first seed fell on hard ground, which pictures a heart, hard heart. And the birds, which Jesus said is the devil, come and snatch the word, snatch the blessing snatch the opportunity before someone is able to embrace or take the word you and I have to be careful when the lord speaks when the lord shows us we have to embrace it or the enemy will take it from us and apparently not only is this place a haven for dark spirits apparently there's some that are so evil they have been in present they've been imprisoned here possibly For thousands of years, it will be released maybe in chapter 19 or 20. This is the central headquarters of the devil at the end of the age. The question is, the scripture says, because the nations of the earth are seduced from this place. So if you were to ask me, Steve, is this a literal city or is this a system? I would say yes, yes. And yes, we do not know what the city is. What city is this? This is London, the second most influential city in the world. Uh, could be Moscow. Not making any claims, I'm just thinking out loud. Could be Beijing. Very powerful, powerful city. Uh could be the ancient site of Babylon will be rebuilt within several years, and this is will this will be the center of power for the Antichrist. Now, if you, I've been a little bit in the Persian Gulf, but there are some oil-rich countries, some of the Emirates that have built cities quickly. So I don't know just too early to tell it could be this city this is nicholasville (laughs) why could it be in new york city just thinking out loud the most influential city in the world the wealthiest city in the world the center of commerce for the world could be don't know So the angel urged Christians, starting at verse number 4, look at verse 4. Then I heard another voice from heaven saying, Come out of her, my people. Say it with me, please. Come out of her, my people, lest you take part in her sins, lest you share in her plagues, for her sins are heaped high as heaven, and God has remembered her iniquities. Pay her back as she herself has paid back others. Repay her double for her deeds. Now, you say, has the body, has the church been raptured prior to this? I believe so. But what you've got to look at the evidence is there are Christians alive during all of this. My guess these are people that some scholars call the tribulation saints. And I believe millions of people will come to Christ during the last three and a half to seven years of that tribulation period when all this book of Revelation takes place. They will decide, I will not take the mark of the beast. That is corrupt. That is weird. And I'm not going to do it. And many of them will pay for their decision to follow Jesus with their lives. But they are told. And we should take note that we should flee. Everyone say flee. We should flee from sin, from temptation. Don't run from the devil. Stand your ground and command him to run in the name of Jesus. But we need to run from sin and temptation. And the Christians are alive. This is for them. They need to get out of that place wherever it is. Don't take anything with you. Leave, leave, leave for two reasons. What are the two reasons? How many reasons? Two reasons. One is John was told to write down that they will be polluted by the influence of Babylon if they stay. If they stay, they will participate in her evil. Have you, have you figured that out? If you hang around evil, you will be doing evil. That's just the way our flesh is. Paul says to flee youthful lust. What's youthful lust? A lot of us got in trouble when we were teenagers or in our 20s. And we got doing stuff we should have never done. but We started doing it secretly. And that ended up becoming a stronghold in our life. You know, sometimes some stuff is funny when you're 16, 17, or 18. And some stuff is funny when you're 26. It's not as funny when you're 36. It's not as funny at 46 when you can't hold a job. It's not funny at 56 when you have a record for DUI. It's not funny when you burned all your bridges with people because you let evil in your life when you were young. And you never got free from it. And so we need to flee. We need to run. Say this with me, please. If you stay, one more time, say it out loud. If you stay, you will get into it. That's just the way it is. If you hang around, you will get into it. So we got to run. Run is the option. Running from danger is good. I want to show you a picture. Would you suggest running is good? Or negotiating? Well, how would a mouse negotiate with a cat? Uh, have you had lunch yet? You like Culver's? I'll buy let's go. The issue is distance. That's the key. We need to stay away from certain people. When I came to Christ at 18, I could not run with my old buddies because I would get back into what I used to do. I need to stay away from people. I need to stay away from stuff. If it's going to destroy me, I need to stay away from things that will cause me to fall. I need distance. And so the angel tells John, you get out of that place. You get out of that place, and don't you turn around and look again. Now, here's a great counseling principle. You can write this down. It's good in a lot of principles. See, Twinkie, have any of you guys ever eaten a Twinkie before? Hold your hand. Are you had a Twinkie? Okay. Have any of you eat a box at one time? <laughs> Twinkies are not good for you. They've had people die in car wrecks, and when they did, you know, like the the post-mortem, they went, boy, I think it was those six Twinkies right here on his side that did him in. Those things will not go away. They stay with you forever. You can put them on a shelf. They'll be there a 100 years from now. So the principle is, say it with me, please. See Twinkie, eat Twinkie. Say it. Here's the other side. No C Twinkie, say it. No C Twinkie, no E Twinkie. (laughs) I think it works. It works for me. So, and the other reason, if they stay, not only they're going to be doing evil, but they're going to be on the receiving end when the Lord lowers the boom. And he loves people. He does not want to see his people receive what they're about to receive. Now the story of Lot, Lot was like a son to his uncle Abraham who had no kids to this point. And Lot made a decision to take his family and go down to the Jordan River, Jordan Valley, but unfortunately he went to a place called Sodom and Gomorrah. and he got in trouble there. And Abraham is talking to the heavenly father saying, "Can you help my nephew? Can you help Lot out?" And they talked about this quite a while. Would you spare if if there were 10, 10 righteous, would you spare them? And the Lord said, "I'll send help." So he sent two angels in human form. They showed up and guess what old Lot didn't want to go. He gave excuses. His wife, daughters, weren't crazy about going. And the two sons-in-law they were engaged to, they thought he was joking. Oh, we're not leaving. We like being here. So finally, I think those angels probably grabbed him by the elbow and say, You are leaving right now. And even then, he made excuses. But his wife, they were all told, Don't you even turn around. You look this don't go back, don't think about going back, don't look, you go this way. And she lost her life. Now in the book of James it says, Do you not know if you're friends with the world, you're choosing to be an enemy of God. The issue is who are you going to be friends with? Who are you going to love the most? Do you want somebody that's going to put you in bondage? Do you want somebody that's going to free you and bless you? Now, this is a tragic, tragic, tragic thing about World War II. In the last months, maybe the last half year, my father participated in bombing raids over Japan and B-29s, these super fortresses. And what, what, what pilots were doing, They started dropping leaflets over Japanese cities, which was very gracious. And the leaflets said things like this. And by the way, it's estimated they dropped 63 million leaflets on 33 Japanese cities. These are copies of leaflets, and the leaflet said stuff like this. There is extreme danger coming to your city. Please leave immediately. Take your family, take your friends, leave this city. The second thing it said was, urge your leaders and your government to surrender. We don't want war. If I was a family and I saw sometimes in some of these raids, before the atomic bombs were dropped, there would be 8,000 precious Japanese people die within an hour. I think if I got a leaflet, then another leaflet, then another leaflet, then another leaflet, leaflet, and I heard (coughs) that the city my cousin lived in was no longer there, i would get out of there and the lord is saying to the people who who love jesus at this point leave babylon get out of babylon because the father remembers the lies the evil the abuse the murder that has been heaped upon the nations of the earth because of these people and this place. And he has decided, I'm going to pay her back. I'm even going to pay her back double for what she has done to people. Now, <clears throat> this is really weird. Are you ready? I guess it's typical human. It's typical of the devil. When you could surrender and repent... Look at verse number 7 in your Bible. As she glorified herself and lived in luxury, give her like a measure of torment and mourning, since in her heart she says this. Defiantly, she says, I sit as a queen. I am in control. I'm not a widow, I'm not destitute. I have power and wealth and security. And I will never see mourning. See that? Very next verse, verse number eight. For this reason, her plagues will come in a single what? A single day. So the false optimism of this empire and these people was thinking, I will never be judged. I will never be impacted because of this evil that I have unleashed. Can I say, friends, you always reap what you sow. You cannot sow evil. Yeah, you can get forgiven, but you will get evil back because of what you and I have sown. Now, as the city begins to collapse, <coughs> this is amazing. There are three groups. How many groups? Three groups that are watching this. They are gathering around big screens. They're watching on laptops. They're watching this maybe in movie theaters. Some of them are on location and they're across the river or they're in a helicopter and they're watching this stuff because these Groups are going to lose everything they have trusted in, everything, in one day. The first group, verse number nine, the kings of the earth who commit sexual immorality and live in luxury with her will weep and wail over her when they see the smoke of her burning. They will stand far off in fear of her torment, saying, Alas, alas, you great city, you mighty city, Babylon, for a single hour your judgment has come. So all those that join forces with the beast and the Antichrist, they will see their power vanish like a puff of smoke as they watch the capital city implode, realizing oh, I just lost it all because my power was based on her power. The second group is found in verse 11. This is fascinating. Then the merchants of the earth weep and mourn for her since no one buys their cargo anymore. And you can look at the next 45 or 50 words I've read this 50 times, but I never saw these categories. These eight categories of wealth and business that just go poof in the wind. The first one is precious metals and stones. And John lists what they are. Now remember, this is 2,000 years ago. But transfer that today, people in the precious commodities business, gold, silver, diamonds, and in particular, mentions the pearl industry. The next group is the clothing industry. How important is the clothing industry? Some of you groused and complained because Kohl's was empty. The clothing industry is huge, fine linen. Purple, silk, scarlet, poof, in the wind. Building materials. It names specific woods. It names bronze. It names iron, marble. I don't know what else, but it would impact everything we use in every trade, from electrical to plumbing to roofing to steel, to iron, and then the spice trade. You know, empires were built on the wealth from the spice trade. Cinnamon, incense, oil, frankincense, all disappearing. Fifth is the food business. Could you imagine? Now, we went through COVID. We had a little bit of a taste, Kroger was short on stuff. Restaurants were closed. Some of them never reopened. But this will be the ultimate closure of the food business. And then livestock. And it names livestock. Cattle, sheep, horses, I imagine. Chickens are right there, too. When the livestock industry goes, so does the food. And then this is fascinating. The transportation business evaporates. And it says, specifically chariots and other things, it doesn't have Ford F-150s in the scripture yet. Uh, Is that the most popular vehicle people buy today, is those Ford F-150s? You could imagine. The military hardware. The trains. We had a deal where we couldn't even fly because the airports were closed down. Here's the worst one. I want to apologize. I don't know how to say it. I said it in a very uncomplimentary way, but it's just close to the way I see it. Human capital. Humans are not capital. But in this empire. Humans are capital. Human trafficking, slavery, forced manpower. Folks, it's a lot worse in our world than we think today. And it's going to skyrocket. Human trafficking, slavery will multiply because it will be official policy. This may be shocking, but in John's day, upward of 10,000 humans sold a day in Roman slave markets. Human trafficking today, this is not pleasant to think about, but you need to know about this stuff. 40 million victims. Poor folk, they get suckered into this. Broken people, they get suckered into this. 25% of them are children. 75% of them are women and girls. And look at the third group. Verse 17, all the shipmasters and seafaring men, sailors, and all whose trade is on the sea, they stood afar off and they cried when they saw the smoke of her burning. This last group are people that make their money through imports and export. It is a huge business. One of the reasons we had shortages, stuff would get unloaded from the docks the Antichrist empire, a lot, a lot of the wealth will be through shipping. Now, this is fascinating. Did, did we talk about the law of repetition when something is mentioned over and over? The word luxury is used three times in this chapter. The word rich is used four times in the chapter. The word merchants is used four times in the chapter. The goal of this empire is wealth. That's how they seduce a lot of people, because if you have wealth, you may have power. And all of that will disappear. So the royal families, business leaders, investors, will weep and mourn not because of their rebellion against God, but because they will lose everything and one day they have worked for. Jesus said, in things are not life. They watch at a distance. Like the people that watched across in Jersey who watched... (coughs) The World Trade Center go down. They watch in horror as everything melts away. But verse number twenty: Rejoice over, O heaven, you saints and apostles and prophets, for God has given judgment for you against her, because heaven rejoices. For this wonderful reason. Oppression is just about over for all time. Is that a good thing? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. As an act of finality, this is this is important. Look at verse 21. Then a mighty angel took up a stone like a great millstone. He threw it into the sea saying... So will Babylon, the great city, be thrown down with violence and will be found no more. As an act of finality, a super being picks up a super millstone. Do you know what a millstone is? Have you ever? Who's, who's seen a millstone? You ever seen a millstone? Well, what is the significance in this clue for this happening? I'll show you. This is a grist mill. This is very important in the 1800s and 1700s in Kentucky. And wherever you see a road sign, that says Clay's Mill. Have you ever seen Clay's Mill? That's because there was a grist mill, and the man that owned it, his last name was Clay. And then Union Mill in Nicholasville. Paul's Mill, a road that I pray on about five days a week. And you can see where the old grist mill was. Glasses Mill, Grows Mill, and Shelbyville. We lived on Zaring Mill Road. Anybody know where this is? Huh? This is Weisenberger Mill in Midway. You probably had some of their product because they make grits, they make flour, they make all kind of wonderful stuff. It is made the old-fashioned way. It's very popular. It's in restaurants. Now, this is what a grist mill looked like and how it worked. So you see the main building, and there must have been a stream higher up because water is diverted into that channel. Then it goes down over the wheel, and the water makes the wheel turn. I want to show you a picture. Look at this. Those are two. Oh, by the way, this is George Washington's millstone on the right at Mount Verna. This is how he ground wheat and corn and sold it, made money. It is still being used. Now, see, those are two millstones. The one laying flat does not turn. Each one of these may weigh probably a 1,000 pounds, maybe 1,500 pounds, so the one on the bottom does not move. The one standing upright, that's a lever, that they swing it around, and they put it in place on top, so you have two round millstones. The one on top turns. So corn is fed into the hole in the top one, and as it rotates, it grinds the corn or grinds the wheat. Now notice the little striations, the little channels. Even the corn and wheat will dull those. And about every three or four months, a stonemason has to come dis- dissemble this and put the grooves back in there. And then the flour goes down that little hole and it's placed in a bag ready to be sold. Now here's the purpose. I think of this picture. This super being hurls this gigantic millstone into the ocean, symbolizing something. It's a prophetic act. The destruction of the city and that your business buddy or lady is now closed. No more milling. No more working. Worship team, would you come out? In closing, I want to mention a couple of things. During the last three and a half years of the tribulation, there has been some normal life going on in some places, even though it's difficult. On this day, there is nothing normal anymore. Verse 22 The sound of the harp, of musicians, of flute players, and trumpeters will be heard in you no more. Craftsmen of any craft will be found in you no more. The sound of the mill will be heard in you no more. The light of a lamp will shine in you no more. And the voice of the bridegroom and the bride will be no more. So there will be no more music in this empire, no more arts, no more commerce, no more weddings. And possibly, the grid will be completely out. This just a little clue. The light of a lamp will not be available. A particular offense. Remember I told you God put up with a lot of evil stuff. But when that Belshazzar brought those sacred implements out, And like put his thumb in God's eye. That's when the hand started writing on the wall. Now, the two things that bring the handwriting here are found in verse number 23. All the nations were deceived by your sorcery. I'm tired of your tricks. And all those, the blood, of prophets and saints and those slain on earth. I believe a lot of people will give their life to follow Jesus during these difficult times. And the Father will say, that's it, I'm done with you guys. I will take vengeance for what you did to my people. during this last song the altar is open the days ahead no matter how long away this is or how close this is none of us knows but we need to be faithful to the Lord (coughs) we need to share the gospel (coughs) we need to pray we need to love people we need to help people walk with the Lord and whatever the Lord tells us to do we should be doing it We should be serving the Lord because we have a short time to do it, I think. So let me close this time in prayer. You may be watching online. We always want to give people the chance to meet Jesus as their Lord and Savior. And With every head bowed, every eye closed. If you want to be forgiven of every sin, be adopted as God's child. Be cleansed from the inside and start your walk with Him. And have a home in heaven. Why don't you just pray with me right now? Say, Lord Jesus, I need you. I'm tired of running. I'm tired of saying no to you. So right where I sit, right where I am, I surrender. Come into my life and be my Savior and Lord today. Give me a home in heaven and put me on mission to serve you in these days ahead. In Jesus' name. If you prayed to receive Christ and you're watching online, contact our church. If you prayed to receive Christ here, there's people that will help you. If you have a prayer need, come get prayer, but you're welcome to come to the altar too and do business with the Lord.
1: just want to speak the name of Jesus. Till every door
0: jesus it feels so good to be on the winning team to be your sons your daughters mobilize us to be a part of this great army for the kingdom in jesus name amen slip out quietly there's people that'll pray pick up your children have a great day we hope you are encouraged to grow in your walk with jesus If you made a decision to follow Jesus for the first time today, please reach out to us. We would love to help you take the next step. Please visit our website for information on upcoming events and how you can connect with the COS family. There is also a prayer request form where you can let us know how we can be praying for you. Thanks again for tuning in. Hope to see you next week.